Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. The late night flight is paid for by the following. Ladies and gentlemen, Cicely Tyson. I was um, walking along the street one day, minding my own business, as I usually am prone to do. And this rather handsome young man was walking in the opposite direction. He walked up to me and he said, uh, good afternoon, Miss Tyson. My name is Denzel Washington. I said, oh. <laughs> I was supposed to know who he was. <laughs> he said, you know, I was in a movie with you. I said, you were? <laughs> and I also met my wife on your show. Needless to say, Pauletta and Denzel have become a force in my life to the point where they thought enough of me to name me the godmother of their first daughter, Katya. <laughs> whom I love dearly. God bless you. You'll always be my heart. Thank you. It's a bunch of us. I'm a hand of colony. Everybody on their mountain, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash your bird 40 on the tank. Yeah, I make the nerdy if it's at the appellation to the appellation. I'ma do whatever that it takes to make a black nation. Hold on. And now, here are your pilots, the informative Hanif Sowell and the greatest Henny Badger who has ever lived, Nassour Nuru. Um, so look, I wanted to, uh, I, you know, I'll be doing crazy stuff on Facebook or asking these questions on Facebook. And... Um, I had a couple questions that was <laughs> interesting this week and I wanted to ask your opinion um, get your idea on it because I know you're not as active on social media so I figured we could have a conversation about it real quick why not yeah sure of course um, alright so what would you do um, if you were dating someone I would dump that right now I'm tired of that I'm so tired of women say I'm playing I'm just playing I'm just playing what happened <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're dating somebody and y'all are out. Like say, for instance, you went out on that date that you was on yesterday yeah. and one of her exes, uh, that y'all ran into one of her exes and, you know, she went to introduce y'all. But when the ex came up, he called her by her pet, pet name that he used to call her. So he called her you know, coffee or like some sort of like inside nickname that he used to have for her. And then she, you know, chuckled and responded with some inside nickname that she used to call him. And they were really familiar in that way. Like, how would you respond in that situation? 
That's a great question. So I want to be very fair to your question. I don't want to, you know, have some fast wit, you know, kickback. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to just call this jump. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm going to just call her jump. I ain't going to do that. That's not nice. So in real time, we're at a restaurant. Me and her, we out to eat. And mm-hmm. the ex just happened to walk up. Hey, right. Cream, what's up? Right? Mm-hmm. And she like, oh, oh, <laughs> hey, coffee. Oh, I mean, hey, you know, whatever. So at this point, I'm not going to lie to you. There's nothing I'm saying. I'm watching the movie at this point. Okay. I'm sitting back and I'm watching what's going on. What are the what is going to be said next? Because she do know she's out with me. Right. So that, you know, that has to just wake up in itself. It's, whoop, oh, okay, yeah, well, look, we'll talk later. Because even if she say, we'll talk later, whatever, what can I do? We're just dating. You know what I mean? I can't be too mad that she just happened to walk, you know, her ex just happened to walk by. But yeah, I mean, I guess for the most part, to answer your question, I'm going to just take a step back. I'm going to watch the movie, see how long this this passing happens. If it happens, as long as it's under 20 seconds, I'm good with it. Okay. Like, I can't even lie. Whatever, like I say, whatever happens. But, well, I can't even say, I'm going to say whatever happens because I'm confident enough that I didn't fuck up a date where, you know, I didn't mess up a date where, you know, she wants to just already want to holler at this guy in 20 seconds. So I feel like 20 seconds is a hello, hello, how's everything? Oh, that's cool. Look, maybe we'll talk later. I'm doing something right now. And that's it. Right. Just keep it brief, straight to the point. Yes, I agree. Gotcha. And so this next question I ask women, um, if they were dating a guy and this was the first time they they went to visit his house and he had a big family portrait like in his living room of his him his baby mother and their child on the wall like a, a nice Sears family photo that they took some years back but it's something that he keeps up to commemorate you know i guess that part of his life what how would they feel and a lot of the it was it was mixed a lot of the women were saying like, hell no, I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm not interested. But there was a few women that came and surprised me and said like, you know, they're mature enough that they understand where they are in this situation where they're just dating and he is a family man and they could love and respect that. Um, personally, you know, in my place, like, I don't think that I would have a picture of my family. I would probably have a picture of me and my daughter up. Um, I do have like family photos that were professionally taken that I might have in like some sort of album or uh, on my computer and, you know, old pictures. But I don't think that I would display it, you know, in my in my place, uh, knowing that. I'm dating or I have another woman coming over, but, uh, yeah. So how do you, what do you think about that? You're a very mature man because that takes a lot of, a lot of, you know, self-recognition as far as looking at yourself and saying how much pride you have and how much pride you're willing to drop down. Because realistically, a family is one of the most valued things in the world, period. People value family. You sure. can you can stop somebody from shooting you in the head if you said, "Yo, I have a daughter." You know what I mean? Like a family is valuable. So the fact that you're you're you know you're not willing to 
put a big poster of your family up in front because you're you're a single man. That yo, that's that's a, that says a lot for you as a man as far as your maturity. Because I could, I, I wouldn't be mad if I walked into a woman's house that had a big family picture of her, the father of her children, and the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said. There may be some certain... You know what? Honestly, I, I can't even get mad at all whether the dude is locked up, whether he's living, whether he's dead. Rest in peace. I cannot be mad at all. You just got to just wear that because you you in a dating situation. You know what? And, and one second thought, like, you know, my, my idea when I was asking the question, I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. it's, his, it's his place. Mm-hmm. He's just dating. Yeah. And he can do whatever the hell he wants in his place. And it's not anything, it's not saying that he's not over his situation, that he's trying to hold on to something. It's just a picture that was near and dear to him. He felt sentimental about it. So he has it up. And I feel like as a woman, or a, a new uh, let's if we change the ties, as a new person coming into that situation, you don't even have the space to even feel a way about it. Like, I wouldn't even think twice about it, like you said, in that situation. So, yeah, I, I think people got to start looking at stuff from that perspective. Like, now, if y'all moved in together later, that picture goes in storage or somewhere different. But, nah, why it's his place, you ain't got nothing to say about it. Yo, Uncle Rudolph has a girlfriend for the last 17 years, and I'm pretty sure for the last 40 years, there's been a big picture of him and his wife or, you know, his ex, well, ex-wife because she's passed away. Rest in peace on Lolly. But that picture is right on front, <laughs> right on the wall, smack dab. She sits right on that plastic couch looking right in front of that picture. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing she can do about it. Right. But she there. But she's there. And now we have Hanif Sowell, the senior correspondent of the Light Skin Delegation. Wait, what the f is that? Light Skin Delegation? We, the Light Skin Delegation slash Coalition slash Network, would like to go on record and state that whatever they're saying T.I. did, he did that sh- However, as a member of the delegation, he is afforded due process and should be allowed to defend himself. Our initial investigation revealed that Mr. Harris is not currently in negotiations to purchase NBC. He is not distracting us from a more nefarious plot. He is simply a freaky light-skinned man trying to do his best Bill Cosby impersonation. His wife, Tamika Tiny Harris, being a member of the delegation as well, will receive our full support, and we will not condone the use of any sexual explicit Miss Piggy means by any of our members. We do ask that the Harrises invite senior leadership to the next function so that we can ensure it's in compliance with our code of conduct. No further questions at this time. Push us through crowd. Hey yo, what the f***? This is a pallet right here. Is Clifford Harris aspiring to be Cliff Huxtable? This is funny because... You know, I've heard, I don't know if you've heard it, but with T.I., with his show, The Family Hustle, and when when that show was on TV, people, I've heard people mention that they thought it was Cosby Show-esque, like it was the modern day version of the Cosby Show on how he was being the father figure, successful, and he had all of the kids in the house and all of that stuff, right? <laughs> but this part, 
is a little on the the darker side. You know what I'm saying? So here you have, um, and just some background uh, about what's going on. His wife's former friend, Sabrina Peterson, is making accusations that T.I. and Tiny were basically running the harem. Um, they would recruit women to come to their home to have sex. They would drug the woman. Um, and then uh, there was an instance where she's saying that T.I. actually put a gun to her head and he was very violent and, you know, uh, problematic. And then there's some also mentions of maybe there would there, there could have been some women that were underage. And that's when we start getting into the territory of like, this is serious accusations that could result in. Uh, criminal prosecution if they're proven to be true. Um, so that's the comparison to Bill Cosby. It's the family man being presented. It's the the drugging of women. And then it's the potential of uh, hurting his legacy and putting him in jail if these accusations come out. So I don't really have a horse in the race as far as who's right, who's wrong. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to figure out is, in my years doing music, Hanif, do you know how many women I have met that said, I will the hell out of T.I.? I I had the same experience in college. Okay, so my thing is this. Who are these women that T.I. and Tiny are meeting? This is why you can't online date, because this is ridiculous. Who are these women? that they are meeting and they have to drug to go T.I. That don't even make any sense to me. I'm not even like saying, oh, you should go ahead and T.I. because T.I. that type of guy. I'm just saying in my time as a young man, I have met a lot of women that would say, yo, I would definitely drop the draws for T.I. No problem. So why, how are they meeting women that are willing to basically be sexually beneficial Two people, and then they got to deal with this murky water of rape, not rape, drugs, not drugs. And we're going to get into a segment later on about finding out if drugs make sex good. So I feel like this is such a murky water. Why are like what does this woman have on T.I. and Tiny or what do she think she can get out of T.I. and Tiny? Because in my in my opinion, this is either going to be a settlement or don't she know that T.I. and Tiny played with those things? Don't they know that this man did a double bid with, for guns and ecstasy? Do she know who she f***ing with? <laughs> this is yo, the male version of Remy Ma. Like, he, yo, what is she doing? Oh, this woman is ridiculous. So, you know, here at the late night flight, you know what I mean? We want to give all of the um, grace that we can to women who uh, are victims of sexual assault. So we don't want to you know, discredit anybody in their accusations. But I'm going to say that when reading this and looking at the stories, I, I, if I'm just going to follow the logical aspect of what's going on, apparently it looks like what it looks like what's happening is they were all friends. They all had this, this thing. She was close enough to tiny where she knows all of the secrets of the lifestyle that they live. And then they had a falling out they're no longer friends. And then she's now uh, trying to expose them in a way. Now, here's the thing about this. 
I feel like there's some validity to what she's saying. The question, though, is, is it predatory and is he doing anything that that's illegal? Now, as far as the drugs being introduced, this is different from Bill Cosby, because from some of the accounts that I've read, he's not sneaking drugs into their drinks. He's blatantly asking them to do drugs in order to party with him. And one woman said that, you know, T.I. went and let her in the house unless she did ecstasy. And when she got to the door, he gave her and her friend ecstasy pills and a glass of soda for them to drink, wash it down. They apparently drunk, you know, popped the pill, drunk the soda, but spit the pill back into the soda as to not take it. But then they still went and had sex with him and they still continued to party with him. If, if, if he offers you drugs and you take it, that's consent. You know what I'm saying? He's not forcing you to do it. So, like I said, there's some truth like where T.I. and Tiny probably get down all crazy and they'd like to have other people in their bedroom, but whether he's forcing these women or uh, tricking them into doing anything, that's the part that uh, that's questionable to me. Is the stock market at Robinhood robbing the poor and giving to the rich? You wish to end this? What do you oh, yeah. You wish to go home? Yeah. Oh, then we must stop fighting amongst ourselves and face that the price for it may be dear. I, for one, would rather die than to spend my life in hiding. The sheriff calls us outlaws. But I say we are free. And one free man defending his home is more powerful than 10 hired soldiers. The Crusades taught me that. I will make you no promises save one. That if you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win. They got armor! They got armor, boy! Even this boy can be taught to find the chinks in every suit of armor. But we ain't got nothing to eat! What do we need that the forest cannot provide? We have food, wood for weapons. We'll find safety and solace in our trees. Yeah, but what about our kin? Sheriff's taking all they got, too. And by God, we take it back. Yeah, so that was a clip from uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner. And um, in the news this week, uh, there was a run on the stock, GameStop, and a few other stocks. And it would have been almost poetic if the app Robinhood that allows just the average individual to go ahead and buy stocks to let it happen and people be able to take advantage of what was going on with the stock market that, that day. Um, but apparently it's the equivalent of if Kevin Costner would have rounded all those people up, got them all souped and excited, and then took them to the sheriff of Nottingham and let them, let them slaughter them. And that, that's, that's kind of on par with what I feel like happened. Um, so right now we brought in um, our audio engineer, Smarts, uh, to, to have a dialogue about this situation and what's going on with, with everything. Smarts, how's it going, bro? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm hanging in there. Just, uh, you know, appreciate the opportunity to speak on the show instead of being behind the scenes. So I'm happy to be here. 
um, with what was going on. So I, I guess we can get get into it and, and, and talk about this topic because it's crazy. Definitely. Um, yeah. So like like I said, I, I feel like you know, Robin Hood did some bullshit. You know, because essentially with them. You know, limiting. They they first they stopped you from being able to buy the shares to take advantage of the run up, and then they started limiting you buying shares, and then they started limiting what you could do with cryptocurrency. So they're officially like putting the brakes on opportunities for the everyday people to join together and make a run on the stocks to to capitalize. Um. Well, I I think it's bigger than than Robin Hood in a sense because you got to understand that these folks that build out these platforms have been shareholders and investors and a lot of these folks are constituents of congressional uh, you know legislators they they're mm. constituents of congressmen and senators so so just imagine your bank account is going to zero and then you got your senator on speed dial. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. it's it, so I just think it's more so just advertising. It's not real. It's not really for the common person. It's just for the common person to do what they can do to stay at a certain level. But when you try to game the system like they game the system, they then they're forced to show their hands. So that's what happened with Robin Hood. They, they their hands were forced. They had to show it because. God forbid those hedge funds um, and those big, you know, those big guys that told us to, that, that told everybody to bet against, you know, GameStop and, 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 and all, the, all the other, uh, you know, stocks that we could turn the tide and actually run those numbers up and take those options away from them and make them pay. You yeah. follow what I'm saying? Definitely. And so all those platforms you know, their hands were forced. They could have, Robin Hood could have as easily allowed the people that transition of wealth to happen. And they did not because somebody or a group of folks was on the phone, the alarms were going off, the house was on fire, and they called the fire department. Yeah. That's what happened. And, yeah. and, and not to get into the racial part of it, but it's the equivalent of a black person calling the cops in their neighborhood and the cops taking forever to come, but the, the cops get called in the white neighborhood and they're there in 15 seconds. So that's what we saw. That's exactly what we saw. What, 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 what stood out to me is, is that, you know, as, as being a black person, like you kind of understand that the system is kind of rigged and set up. Right. But this was more generalized, right? Cause it was all types of people trying to get in and make that happen. But like when you when it's like it's like you know something to be true, but you don't necessarily like see it overtly. And then now you know for a fact that it's set up to where it's like, yo, you can't win if you play by the rules. You can't win. You can't win if you cheat either. Apparently, like they just really going to stop you from experiencing what they've been doing. I'm, can, 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 can I ask you a question? I know this is your platform. Were you surprised? No, I wasn't surprised. Okay, I wasn't so, surprised. So, so, right. So, so 
um, was anybody surprised when uh, when when the, all those white folks were able to storm Capitol Hill? Was anyone black surprised? <laughs> nah, no. Okay, so I'm just trying to show you that we're not the ones that are shocked here. Right. So I'm, I'm making the comparison because all those people that, that vote Republican or vote for someone else's financial reason and then they use your other, um, you know, your morals or your religious factor, they use all these other things to, to, to help you support their party and, and to vote them into office. And other yeah. folks know that they're not talking to you. Right. When they say American people, quote unquote, they're talking about their constituency. They're right. talking about the, the, the big dogs, the, 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 the job creators. They used to call them job creators back in the day. Yeah. And then they, mm-hmm. they, they transferred it over to American people. So if you are poor and you're, and, and you're listening to this podcast, guess what? Welcome to our world. Because we were not surprised. And I hope that now you see what we have been seeing all this time. They were forced to show their hand to you. Mm-hmm. We've already seen the hand. That's why I asked you that way. And that's why I made the comparison because this is not, they know what to be true for other people. They thought they were the exception until Robin Hood throttled them too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Honey, if I'm making, can I ask Mars a question? It's about stock. Mm-hmm. All right, smarts. Here's my question: As a Black American that is not really into the stock market like that, once you start talking this Nasdaq and Robinhood and how Robinhood basically ran up on GameStop and shut down their stocks for a second, it's still I I know what they're saying. It baffles me a little bit. Can you tell our, our audience the most important reason why young Black people need to get into it, young black, well, all black people, period. We need to get more into stock, more into these numbers and see what's going on and how we can it, invest in that. It takes years to learn that and you can and you can really mess yourself up if you follow these trends and you can really, you know, lose your money. People take their mortgages, they take these large sums of money and they think they're getting ready to catch a windfall and, and then they lose all their money. So when the, when the market gets volatile like this, and, and you see the trends going, sometimes it's best to just sit back and watch. Or if you're going to put your money into it, you put money that you, you can afford to lose into it. As far as the specifics of, you know, trade options, what calls and what puts are, and how do you, you know, trade just regular, you know, just buy stock at market rate or putting limit orders and all that kind of stuff. It takes a little bit of time, a little bit of studying to understand the, the market in the sense of how things are going, trends, where to put your money and research it and waiting for, you know, earnings announcements. So it's very complicated, convoluted, um, you know, uh, topic that I can't really go into specifically. But if you are black, if you are young and you have a few dollars that you can spare, you it, it would make it makes perfect sense to find whatever stock that you, you know, whatever you use, like products and things that you trust and you use. Invest in that. Invest your money into that into the market and your stocks on those. But when you start right. to talk about what happened, you know, uh, this week, you're, you're talking trade options and contracts. And, um, and we talk crypto. A lot of young folks already know about what crypto is. 
but this is betting. This is like, I bet you that they're going to, they're going to fail. And then if they don't fail, you, you owe money. You follow what I'm saying? And the, the lower, the, the, the higher the, the price goes, the more money you have to pay out on your bet. All right, we want to get get you out of here on one last question. Let let's get you out of here on one last question. We thank you so much. Okay, so here goes here goes my question. Right now, right now, uh, February first, whatever day this is, would you rather have five hundred dollars of U.S. currency, or would you rather have five hundred dollars in Bitcoin? What say you? Thirty seconds. Dollars in Bitcoin all day. Thanks. Why why is that? 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, because Bitcoin is, is, is right now the American dollar is so volatile. The American market is volatile. So I would just park my money in Bitcoin. I mean, it's volatile, but it, it, it's volatile in a good way as it's trending upwards. So I would definitely park it there. Okay. Uh, can you tell all of our, uh, all of our Apple phone users that go to Apple Podcasts to download our stuff to tell them where to find you on Clubhouse. Can you hurry up and, and tell people that, please? Well, you can find me at Smart on Clubhouse. Um, and I'm at the, in a club called the, um, Rich House Reviews, where we, uh, where we review and critique people's music, and we provide them with resources to fill the gaps that they need. So we teach them how to get their business in order, and, uh, and we educate, we critique, and we give constructive feedback. I also produce music as well, so if you need music, you can just follow me on Instagram, Smarts World, and that's it. You know, I'm Smarts on Clubhouse. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pally right here. I'm going to play the clip. So, for John Cheney, we're going to play the clip, okay? So, I got a clip that will forever link Kentucky head coach John Calipari, all right, and John Cheney with this wild moment, all right? This is when the Temple coach, John Cheney, a man amongst men, a leader amongst men. Okay, that's just who this man was during his tenure as a coach at Temple. He barged into the, uh, the UMass post-game press conference and threatened to kill John Calipari and tried to make good on it. So if you watch it on YouTube, you'll see it. But we're going to just play the audio. Let me get it together. I'll be right back. Let's make this happen. And number two, Shane fires back. I just got my ass blasted for giving them hell down in West Virginia. And here you get a hell of a job right here today. Good job. Three class guys. And you pick them out and single them out. You can't get that young nigga to Shut up, guys. You can't get that young nigga to I kill you. There's a lot of commotion going on. Hey, yo, what the f? This is a pally right here. Is Hanif's cousin Thomas the well really his Uncle Tom? You already know. You're going to have to meet him. You got to have to. Yo, have you been to one of your family reunions anytime in your life? Um, I've been to a Sowell family reunion and Thomas Sowell was not in attendance. So I don't know if he's really my family. I know, I think in college or high school, one of my teachers asked me if I was related to him because I, I had no idea who he was. And then it was like, oh, he's really big in the, you know, he's an economist and a sociologist and he's really big in this community. You should look him up. And, you know, I looked him up. And then at the time, this was probably in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, he, um, he was still conservative back then. Mm. And, that, and, this, and at that time in my life, 
I was like ultra pro black. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So any any perceived disrespect of black people, especially by black people, um, was met with disdain. Like I would I would be mad. Like nah, I don't put him out. That's not my cousin. Okay. I don't know him. Okay, I, I can understand that. Now, I don't want to say he's disrespecting. I would say that he has a different perspective, which could come off as disrespectful, depending on if you would disagree with what he's saying. Now, this is a, a professor, a professor from UCLA, and you know, he's just over here doing this thing in California. He has a big time YouTube channel right now. I mean, he has over a million subscribers on his own. Well, no, no, I'll take that back. He has 297,000 subscribers, but he gets over a million views on his takes on Barack Obama or intellectuals in society, AOC, Black Lives Matter. So we dug up a clip of him talking about black subgenres up the mentality of the black race. So basically what I'm saying, why people don't overcome? Oh, it's because of black subgenres, black rednecks. So let me toss this up to Hanif and Hanif is going to find out whether this is actually his cousin or his uncle Tom. Here we go. Professor Flynn concluded that the reason was that the offspring of black soldiers in Germany grew up in a nation with no black subculture, yeah. close quote. Which means what? Which means they experienced exactly the same expectations. Is this the thing? No, no, no. The expectations are external. The culture in which they grew up with was, was not the culture in which black kids grew up in America today. So they had. There's no gangster rap. In uh, uh, that, that, that was pervasively uh, uh, available in Germany. So here's what I'm getting. There is something about black subculture in America today that holds African-Americans themselves back? Yes, <laughs> because that very sub same subculture held white whites in the South back as well. That in the time, this, this uh, mental testing in the First World War turned up, among other things, the fact that uh, whites from various oh, four or five southern states scored lower on the mental test than, than blacks from four or five northern states. And so it really was a question of the subculture that was there, which was a handicap to both. Okay, so in that clip, um, the things that I take issue with is that, remember earlier I mentioned I was watching Miss Jane Pittman. Right. And in the scene in that movie, in the Jim Crow South, uh, still in the 1800s, black people um, who were advocating for their new freedom and trying to figure out what they were going to do with themselves were comparing Negro and black Americans, and they were differentiating them. And if you go before that, you had black people comparing house niggers to field niggers. You know what I'm saying? And then you fast forward to 2021, we're still making that comparison and saying that there's a subculture of black America that doesn't, that's holding us back, that's setting us back. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like because it's still ringing true throughout all of those errors, there's a problem with it. And I don't like when black conservatives or even black liberals try and differentiate themselves. Because remember what Hove said, 
You still nigga. You still black in all of this. You understand what I'm saying? Your education, your uh, financial status, your background, it means nothing in America when you have black skin. And that's the thing that I think black people need to unify. I will say, though, that remember when I was saying earlier when I was younger, I took issue with some of the things that he was saying because I felt like um, he was attacking uh, black people. I do feel like uh, Thomas Sowell is a great mind and he does have a nuanced understanding of things that's going on in our communities. Um, and he doesn't have a disdain for black people, but on this particular um, issue, I feel like he might be a little off in saying that black rednecks or, or lower educated black people are the problem. And, and one of the things that I did when I was looking up some information while, while I was researching this, and I came across an article and it was talking about um, Plessy versus Ferguson. So Plessy versus Ferguson, um, that was like the original Rosa Parks. It was a man in New Orleans. Um, he got on a train cart that was designated for only whites and he did not move and they arrested him. They took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And he was saying that the 14th Amendment granted him equal protection under the law. And the Supreme Court said, nope, it doesn't. So um, that what so what happened after Plessy versus Ferguson was like the catalyst for separate but equal. And this is where segregation is born out of. What I got out of this man was this is a black traditionalist. This is a black baby boomer, a black American baby boomer. Black American baby boomers don't like the new subgenres of black American culture, the Ebonics, hip hop. They're not really that much into that. So that's number one. I could see him not liking that. Number two, if you look at Thomas Sowell, see the way he talks, the way he dress, his career, his, his professional, um, his, well, not his professional, I'm sorry, his accolades, his achievements in the world of academia. You think black people, in, when he grew up, liked him? They bullied this guy. The same way they probably did the Gumble Brothers or Wayne Brady, anybody that's like that. Where they didn't have, they didn't, they didn't have that type of coolness. And he, he sound he to me, for somebody who I've I've seen a lot of clips where he do he does advocate segregated schools, and I, I'm a, I'm gonna get to that in a second. The reason why I'm going to give him a, a not a point, but I, I'll acknowledge that on him is that he do acknowledge that a separation has to be acknowledged at times because of the bullshit that goes on, which lets, leads me into this as far as what you were talking about, segregation and segregation in schools. Segregation in schools only, I'm not saying should or shouldn't, but it goes down. Let's say if this was an occurrence, let's say if we are, because technically, in a way, some schools are segregated. We went to an elementary school where it was basically all brown and black, basically mostly black. Yeah. And like 10 brown, be honest. You know what I'm saying? So there are areas because of the area, right? I mean, if you live in a certain area where it's predominantly your skin tone, your hue, it's going to be segregated just by proxy alone. So you're living it depending on where you live anyway. But that's where the issue, well, I'm going to say it's an issue, but that's where this whole thing get murky. Because depending on, think about this, 
What if you were black and you were born in a town like Montclair, New Jersey? Right. So now, even though you are in a large group of black people, you are a subgroup because it's an even larger group of white people. So you get to do the things that you do and get to be cool and have your swagger, but it's controlled in a sense because the majority is white. Mm-hmm. We live in a country where the majority is white. So your view of what segregation can look like is depends on where the f- you live at. Because if you're a black American that lives in Austin, Texas, you want to be regular. But if you go to somewhere like Houston, Texas, you want to go to an HBCU because that's the experience you've lived most of your life. Right. So, uh, see, and this is where I feel like older, the older people, the older civil rights activists and, and, and people in that generation missed the mark because, and the reason why I, I veered off a little bit, why I brought up the, the whole thing about Miss Jane Pittman and, and everything still being the same. The, the, the constant thing that we understand in America is that being black in America makes you stand out. It makes you be different, right? So you're going to have white dominant culture always look at you as a subculture. We need to be focusing on operating in those dynamics as opposed to saying, hey, this is the, this is the problem. You know what I'm saying? This is going to be an issue because, because black people are a subculture, because of discrimination, because of these things. We understand that part already. What are we doing to change it? How are we operating amongst ourselves to make sure that it doesn't have the same effect on us that, that it's been having for all of these years? If you would like to be a guest on the late night flight, hit me in my Facebook DM at Hanif Sowell or email us at the late night flight at gmail.com. Would you date Wendy Williams? Well, I mean, she's asking everybody to take your best shot. Uh, she wants everybody to send a 30 second video explaining why Wendy should pick you to date or to date her. And well, you're going to show the most impressive video on the show. And the top three guys will come to New York to appear on the show in a dating game. So you don't even win. You win to go to play the dating game on Wendy Williams? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, yo. I don't... <sighs> so so it's basically Flavor of Love. Um, uh, yes. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, 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 very good. I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, would you date Wendy Williams? I mean, if, I mean, come on. All right, all right. Matter of fact, let me, let me give this woman her flowers real fast. I'm gonna give her her points. Okay, so this woman has, she has done gossip radio very well. I mean, probably better than anyone has ever done gossip radio in your life. Uh, she talked about NFL players being homosexual. She talked about rap stars being homosexuals. Whether it was a lie or not, she just threw whatever to the wall and whatever stuck, it got her gigs from Hot 97 to 107.5. Now she's on TV. I mean, she's she's a millionaire doing gossip tabloid radio slash TV production. But that's not enough for me to say I would date her. I don't want to talk bad about 
Wendy Williams. Physically, let's just say she looks like a credit card. I'm going to leave it there. Hanif, you can say whatever you want and I'll come back later. Um, I think you need to watch what you're saying about my future wife. Um, so somebody has to do something to take the show to the next level. And I feel like if I can get in good with Wendy Williams, we can do just that. And I'm willing to take one for the team. She let Method Man crack back in the day for, for just some weed. Did you did you hear that story? So I guess he came to bring the pain hardcore to the of a mother. But 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 did you did you read or hear the story she said about how Method Man cracked? No, no, I did not. Wait, let me let me get to it. Let me, okay, you sent me that. Let me get to it right now. Okay. Well, oh my I, god! I, I can tell you, like yes, yes. So she like they in a club, some club back in New York back in the day or whatever. This was when he was the hottest and she was the hottest at the same time. So a fight breaks out in the club. They start shooting. She like, he there with the whole Wu-Tang clan and it's just wild mayhem. But she's up like in top VIP section. So she's untouched. Nobody's near her. And Method Man just happened to be like, yo, Wendy, what's going on? And she like, oh, Meth, what's up? So then they looking at all the hoopla going on. And then she like, yo, you want to you want to go come over my spot? And he like, all right. So they left. <laughs> she said they got in her Pathfinder and they went to her crib in Jersey City. She had a penthouse and she gave him a bath and they smoked weed. She said his weed was better. And then they they got it on. And that was how Method Man has sex with Wendy Williams. Is it is it plausible? Do you think it's plausible? Do you think that that could have happened? Absolutely. I mean, again, Wendy Williams was at the top of New York radio during that time. I mean, that was early 90s. She was Do you think she was Angie Martinez before Angie Martinez? For sure. Do you think Method Man was thinking along the lines of what I'm thinking where it's like, yo, the woo hot, but she the hottest thing in radio. She going to make sure that we go continue to go to the next level. And I'm going to just take one for the team. Or he was really interested in having sex with Wendy Williams. No, I think Wendy Williams was a woman that was out here doing whatever Wendy Williams wanted to do. And she was like, yo, out of all you Wu-Tang dudes, I want Method Man. Come here. And he like, all right, I'm coming. You know what I mean? Why not? And I think I just look at it like that. Wendy Williams wasn't the one on Hot 97 breaking new artists. She wasn't that one. She was doing gossip radio. That's why they kicked her off and she had to go somewhere else. Yeah, she wasn't that one. Um, Wu-Tang got on with Yo! MTV Raps. That was Dr. Dre and Ed Lover work over there on MTV with Wu-Tang Clan. So, I mean, I think that's just more of star power. You know, you see, you see another star. You know, you like, Wendy Williams looked at Method Man. Method Man had that, yo... Method Man, out of all the people in the group at that time, he had his own song, and that was a hit, Bonafide. For sure. M-E-T-H-O-D, man, was a hit. You know what yeah. I mean? So how about that? And she probably, and then he wound up on movies and TV. So, you know, boom, Clifford did it. The, the, this Clifford did it. I don't know about the other Clifford, but the other Clifford actually <laughs> did it too. How about that? Yeah, right, Clifford's be wilding, yeah. Clifford's be wilding. <laughs> that might be the title. We over here. That's, that, that's the episode. That's the episode. Clifford's be wilding right there, yo. Take your Clifford. You could check, you know what I mean? Take your pick, either one. But there you go. 
anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pally right here. Do drugs make sex better or worse? I'll start. I'll say, I'll say that it makes it better only because you want to get done with it. You're not doing it with people that you necessarily want to do it with. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because when you meet women that you're attracted to and she's attracted to you too, it doesn't matter what y'all do. Y'all gonna f- It's just gonna happen. It's gonna, right. as long as y'all don't do nothing stupid to each other, it's gonna happen. It can happen in a dressing room in the mall. I mean, who's drunk in a dressing room in the mall? You know, like, who's there doing, like, there's no liquor bottles around there. You know what I mean? Like, it can mm-hmm. happen anywhere. It can happen in a public restroom. I hope not, but it can. I'm just saying, maybe in a club, and the club is kind of cool. In the movies, it look cool. I don't know in real life, but whatever. I actually had sex in a VIP room in a club. It was in uh, Woodbridge, anyway, in Woodbridge, in Woodbridge. But anyway, that's neither here or there. The point I'm making, the point I'm making is that it is better based on the scenario. I don't think it's ever bad unless you're talking mentally. I think it's mentally bad because it makes you want to get through sex. I think a lot of escorts, you know, a lot of a lot of escorts probably get dumb hot, whether it's coke, PCP, acid, just getting through the day because they got to get through all this, you know what, to get to the bag. Let me ask you this though. What's the what's the point of getting high, right? So if you're if you're getting high on whatever your drug of choice is anyway, right? And not you're not necessarily doing it per se to to enhance or do whatever for 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 sex, but you you're just getting high because of the the coping mechanism that it is. It makes you feel good for whatever reason, and then you just so happen to have sex. Is that experience better? or worse than if you were sober and intentionally just looking to have sex. And you're saying no, because if you're attracted to the person, if it's a mutual attraction, the sex is going to be good anyway. I mean, to be honest with you, yes. I mean, yo, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Because it, it's, it's, a, it's a throwaway. Like, yo, like, I'm, maybe this is saying to my age, I don't want to act like I'm the most mature person in the world, but I was playing spades with Good people this past Friday. Good people. I'm pretty sure sparks could have flew. Things could have happened, happened. But nothing happened. I'm drunk. The people drunk. She's definitely drunk. But nothing happened. And that's great. That's fine. Because we don't have to be tied up in the whole, well, what do we do next? People could go on with their lives and we could figure it back out if we connect with each other on that level. If we don't, we don't. But it's all good because there's no love loss at all. There's nothing. I could see that person again and be like, oh, what's up? And it's still love there. Because maybe because it is a what if, but at the same time, it's a safe what if. It isn't a mean, I don't want to with you no more. You done did some bullshit to me because we done and we couldn't, we couldn't get, well, we done had sex with each other and we couldn't have an understanding that would make both of us feel whole. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, I mean, look, I, as I said early in the top of this podcast, man, I just smoked a good one with, with a good friend, all that good stuff. So as we went out to some dope 
place to go eat at in Bergen County. The thing is this. <laughs> I'm going to smoke weed with people regardless. Well, not good people like everybody, please. But, you know, if I'm with a woman and she, we like each other, we smoking. Because I do that And she do that, probably. I'm talking too much. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I get it. Um... I don't know. I, I hope I didn't mess up the question, bro, because I, I'm like... I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just being honest. Like yo, like it for me as someone that has like I, I, like I mean, we both take drugs. Like you, you have done more liquor than me. I smoke more weed than you. Right. And I know that those are basic things, but drugs are drugs, regardless of. See, this is when. See, we're getting to a whole nother parameter with this shit because, in my opinion, drugs are drugs. It just yeah. depends on what drug you need to get your high. Yeah, uh, so now, but sex is sex, right? Mm. And, and, and when I think about sex, right? So it, for me, when I'm drunk, there's a different type of sex that's happening than when I'm not. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Describe it. I'm tapping into, when I'm drunk, I'm tapping into like my more carnal, like, yo, I don't give a f- like we we out here and it's more it's a little rough there's some choking there's some like you know more aggression you can't you can't choke sober i'm sorry i i can i can and you know it depends on the mood but when i'm sober i'm i'm more sensual like i'm more like soft caring making love like you know what i'm saying it's more uh soft and caring than it than it would be if I was drunk. So right? why don't so why don't you watch you know some some action hero movie real fast? Get your testosterone pumped up and then you know without any drugs and I guess do do the choke move on it then. Nah, but see, and, and, and so this is what I'm trying to say. I it's, like the fact that we have got to say choke three times and all the women <laughs> know what we're saying and we're like it's all good. It's all good. Right when I'm drunk, I'm I'm defaulting to aggressive. But there's instances when I'm dealing with a woman, whether it's the same woman or a different woman, that, you know, she might appreciate the slow, soft, like, you know, less aggressive version. But then the next day or another time, depending on our moods, she might want me to be a little more assertive or aggressive, right? And I could accommodate that. I'm, I'm aware of it. And I just kind of, I'm observing enough to see what is, what's what. But when I'm drunk, I don't give a Please subscribe and download to The Late Night Flight on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Every subscription helps us towards our efforts in having a career in podcast radio broadcasting. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here.